The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Beyond the Crucible. I'm Gary Schneeberger, the co-host of the podcast and the communications director for Crucible Leadership. And this podcast, uh, Beyond the Crucible, is all about living and leading with significance. And the eyepiece that we look through to get there, the starting point of our discussion, is a crucible experience. Those things that happen in life that are devastating, painful, um, change the trajectory of your life. Sometimes they're failures, sometimes they're setbacks and tragedies and traumas that happen to you. But the common experience, it's painful, it's traumatic. And here with me to discuss this is someone who knows that firsthand. It's the it's Warwick Fairfax, the host of the program, as well as the founder of Crucible Leadership. And Warwick, we've got a topical and I think um, very helpful discussion on tap today. Uh, Gary, great to be here. And absolutely, uh, yeah, it's very topical, as you say. The reason that we say it's topical, listeners, is that um, this episode of the podcast is going to air on the last day of December. It's going to air. It's going to go live on December 31st. And we all know what happens on December 31st. That's New Year's Eve. And on as the New Year approaches... New Year's resolutions start popping up all over the place. It's like a, an emotional game of whack-a-mole. Things Everybody you know is launching, you know, I'm going to do this this year, I'm going to do this this year. Everybody talks about their resolutions. And Warwick wanted to discuss, rather than resolutions and maybe the limitations of resolutions, something critical to the crucible leadership model, and that is a vision. And as we've talked as a team We've hatched a name that will probably not be the name. Maybe it will be. We'll figure that out later. But we've hatched a name of just internally how we're talking about this episode. And that is how you can be a visionary, not a resolutionary. How you can be someone who's motivated by, engaged in a vision rather than a resolution. And um, Warwick, explain just at the 30, 40,000 foot level, why is vision a better pursuit than a resolution, regardless of the time of year? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, starting with resolutions, you know, often in the new year, people want to get fit, so they maybe go on diets or go to the gym, and you have these resolutions. But the problem with resolutions is they typically don't stick. You have an idea, and then... Um, couple months later, you know, I'm sure health clubs will tell you that the gyms uh, go back to normal and um, it's not quite as many people as it was first few weeks in January. Same with, with diets. I mean, is they're just notoriously hard to keep. So resolutions, they sound good, but in of themselves, they can be somewhat transactional, somewhat short-term, well-meaning, but they don't tend to stick. 
Whereas vision is something that is more long-term, it's more motivating. It's more tied to deep beliefs within you. So really, at the sort of highest level, uh, visions tend to stick and resolutions are a bit like quicksand. They, uh, they don't last. And what you said about gyms is absolutely true because when I go to my gym on December 31st or January 2nd or whatever it is I get there after the new year, I guarantee you all the equipment's going to be harder to get to, but you just kind of take a deep breath and wait a couple of weeks and that, that will go away because the people who are going there, the new people who are going there, don't have a vision uh, long-term for what their fitness goals are. As we've prepared for this podcast work, you and I both have come up with phrases to kind of describe the difference between a resolution and a vision. Uh, one of the things I said was, in a resolution, your focus is on I'm going to do better. In a vision, your focus is on I'm going to do good. So the idea is resolution, my behavior is going to change in some way and it's going to be, it's going to benefit me and it's going to be fine. I'm going to do better. In a vision, I'm going to do good. I'm going to do something. I'm going to commit myself to something that's going to make the world a better place. That is another differentiator that it's not as much self-focused. Resolutions tend to be self-focused, whereas visions tend to be other-focused. That's a fair assessment, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, certainly in the crucible leadership world, um, you know, we define a life of significance as one that's fueled by a vision that wants to make the world a better place, that wants to help other people, a life lived on purpose. So from a crucible leadership framework, uh, vision is absolutely something that should do good. Now, other people might have visions for just success and money, power, and everybody's entitled to lead their own lives. But in terms of a vision that will really motivate, a vision that fits in terms of our philosophy, absolutely. So that's I think it's an accurate uh, paradigm you've described in which a resolution is, yeah, it's often self-focused, uh, dieting, exercise. Um, you know, it's more motivated by shoulds. And the sad thing is, should is not particularly motivation, uh, motivating. It, it smacks of legalism, of obligation. Anytime you're obligated to do something, it tends not to work. You know, you tell your kids, hey, you know, take out the garbage, wash the car. It's like, okay, well, you know, you should do that. But <laughs> in of itself, it's not particularly motivating. It doesn't always get right. done, you know? Whereas vision, if it's especially one that's altruistic, which is what we talk about here, where you really want to help other people in a crucible framework, maybe you've had a tragedy and out of the tragedy you've gone through, maybe you want to help other people avoid it, or maybe you've learned some lessons that just fundamentally change the direction of your life. A vision which is fueled by passion, it's more than resolution. It's not transactionary. It's more transformational. It's motivational. And anything that you are really motivated by in which you feel like, hey, if I stop, there's somebody out there that could have benefited that won't benefit if I don't do this. And so that kind of motivation, there's something about when it's about other people, it's somehow, maybe it's the way we're all designed, the human condition, but somehow it's more motivational. So uh, yeah, it just comes down to vision is tends to be more transformational, 
should be more outward focused. Uh, resolution can be more just transactionary, short term. Uh, yeah, if it's not tied to some long term vision, the chances of it lasting are pretty low, which is why I've some people love New Year's resolutions. I've never been a New Year's resolution kind of person because just it's like, well, I'll come up with something and it won't last and I'll feel all sorts of pressure <laughs> and obligation to do it and probably won't do it. And it, I don't know, I just, I find it demotivating. I find it discouraging, to be honest, that kind of resolution mentality. Well, I mentioned that we both had some phrases that we thought were, that encapsulated this. I said mine and I'm, you know, the kind of guy I am, I like the words that come out of my mouth. I think I can be clever sometimes and insightful. <laughs> so I thought... I'm going to do better versus I'm going to do good. That's a pretty good summary. And then you said something uh-huh. to me that I was like, oh, well, mine wasn't so good. Here's what Warwick said when we were talking about this yesterday. And I want you to talk about, Warwick, what you meant by this. Vision is a picture of a preferred a reality. Vision is a picture of a preferred reality. Tell us what you're thinking when you said that. Yeah, I mean, I write a lot about vision. I read a lot about vision. So... You know, um, vision is a picture of a preferred reality. An ideal vision is something that you can feel, touch, smell. You know, you dream about it at night. You just have a picture in your mind of exactly what it's going to be, who you're going to be working with, or the kinds of people, what it's going to be like. And an ideal vision is something that seems almost impossible, Mm -hmm. but not quite. If it's like, oh, this is easy, that's not very motivational, you know? And if it's like, oh, there's no way, that's not motivational either. When it's what they call like a stretch goal, Mm -hmm. you know, and you feel like, yeah, I think I can do it, but hey, it won't be easy. But you know what? I am going to make it happen. I am going to make it happen. That's the perfect vision. Yeah, picture of a preferred reality that you're off the charts passionate about. And it's different what you just described than what a resolution is to say, I'm going to lose 15 pounds while that's, you know, not necessarily the easiest thing to do. There's a definite end to it. It's not certainly as hard as transforming your neighborhood. It's not as hard as empowering your team in the next year to be able to make decisions without your input or with less of your input. There's a grander scale in most cases to visions. And that's you know, if you have to imagine a preferred reality, it's not necessarily an endpoint to that. It's preferred and it continue to be preferred and refined and better and better and better as opposed to the end of a goal. I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. Okay, I'm not eating sugar anymore. Not, not easy to do, but it's not necessarily described in some other leadership contexts as a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. It's not one of those kinds of circumstances. I think just to comment on what you just said, I think that's really true is, is vision is, um, yeah, I mean, you might have a picture in your mind which might lead you to think there's an end point, but visions tend to grow. And, you know, we'll maybe talk about this more later, but I think of Walt Disney as really a prime example. Um, it originally, it was more hacking in the 30s, 20s and 30s. How can we make a movie out of ca- from cartoons where it's not just a few minute Mickey Mouse cartoon, which he was proud of and which are wonderful, but how can we make it tell a compelling story, hence Snow White? Well, from then, uh, he moved on to making uh, feature-length movies about animals that were very successful. He then had this vision of Disneyland, a theme park in which 
will be safe for families and, you know, just a whole different vision. Uh, and then from there, Disney World. So the vision evolved and grew. Right. It kept growing. But yet he had this image in his mind of what he wanted at each point, and he made it happen. And it was incredibly motivational, and his team obviously bought into it. So, yeah, visions are transformational. They, they grow and develop. Right. And if we were to take Walt Disney's vision that you just explained, and you know, let's say Walt Disney on December 31st decided he was going to have a resolution. By golly, I'm going to make a feature-length film from animation. That could have stopped right there. Once he did his first feature-length film, that could have been the end of it. But he had a vision, and that vision, as you explained, that vision grew and multiplied and changed over time. Each goal was, okay, that was a success. We hit that. Now let's keep going because the vision was grander than just, I want to make a, an animated film. Absolutely. I think the question is really a resolution for what? For what reason? You know, motivation is the key to action. And so if a resolution is tied to a broader, grander vision, maybe it's not a resolution because I think I don't like that word too much because people just tend to start right. and stop them. But if it's more, okay, what action am I going to take today that's part of a grander plan, that's part of a grander vision? What's a first step or a second step or a third step? That's, to me, not so much a resolution. It's more part of the plan, the grand plan you have of make your vision becoming reality. It's a different mindset. Well, listeners, uh, we're trying to help you get to a different mindset. Not to say that you can't do resolutions, don't you know? but we're saying that if you do those, also engage in a vision, because a vision is going to be something that long-term is going to continue to motivate you, and that long-term is going to continue to change and allow you to achieve new steps of significance that benefit others. But we've talked a lot about the philosophy of all this work. Let's talk about the brass tags. What informs a vision for someone? You know, really, um, it starts in a few places, which is you have to be off the charts passionate about your vision. It has to mean something to you. Now, it could be out of a crucible experience. Maybe you went through something that you don't want anybody else to uh, suffer. Maybe you went through abuse or a health challenge and you want to set up uh, uh, an organization to help cancer survivors or survivors of abuse. That obviously would be very motivational to you because you want to help other people. Or maybe like Walt Disney, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if we had full-length, uh, color movie in a cartoon, but somehow is a compelling story. So it's got to be, it's, you've got to be off the charts passionate about. So that's absolutely fundamental. And from my perspective, it helps if that is tied to your fundamental beliefs. It could be, uh, you know, aspect of faith, a philosophy, but somehow your vision also has to be tied into your values and beliefs so that you feel like, you know what, this is important. Back to the example of uh, abuse, you know, you understandably might say, you know, people shouldn't have to go through this. It's wrong, and I want to help people avoid it, and I want to help people bounce back and lead productive lives. It's easy to see that that's not just some airy vision that's tied to somebody's fundamental beliefs and values. They feel like is is really important. So that gives its roots and helps it grow. And the other thing is, 
it really helps if it's tied to your fundamental design. We're all designed certain ways. So back to the Walt Disney example, you know, he was an animator. He started off noodling with cartoons on napkins and pieces of paper as a boy. And so, yes, as he as the company grew, he wasn't always drawing as much as his lead animators, but his team knew that Walt got it. He was one of them. He knew how to draw. He could grab the pen, you know, computers back then and or pen and ink and what have you, and he could say, yeah, yeah, how about we do this? So I guess to summarize, a vision has to be something you're off the charts passionate about, that you feel like the world can't afford not to have this. It's that important. It's tied to your fundamental values and beliefs. And it's also in line with your inherent design. You do all those things, it has a much greater chance of uh, becoming reality. Two quick things about what you just said. It does not have to be a grand vision, a world-changing vision in the sense of truly global world. It can be a very micro uh, neighborhood vision, correct? That's correct. I mean, the thing is vision start, like, uh, you know, can start small, like uh, for Walt Disney, even before Snow White, he just wanted to get a shop together um, with some people that really love creating uh, fun cartoons you know, that will be really creative. Well, I don't think he was thinking at that stage necessarily, I'm going to have a global empire, but, you know, they can grow. But certainly, you know, they don't always have, you know, success isn't dependent on having a vision that becomes as large as, you know, the Walt Disney Company. You could have a vision, yes, on a grand scale to lead a large for-profit or non-profit um, in the U.S. or elsewhere, but you also might say, look, you know, I want to clean up the neighborhood park. Maybe there's, you know, drugs and crime and you want to make it safe for your kids and your friends' kids. Uh, that won't be an easy vision. You'll have to get your neighbors on board, maybe the local community council. That will not be easy, but it may be a park in, you know, a, a small town somewhere. Uh, so it's, it's not the scale of the vision. To me, a vision that changes one life is a big vision. So it's not the scale as some people would measure it. It's more, uh, how important is it to you? That's how I would measure the size of the vision, so to speak. And for people who are listening right now, Warwick, who you mentioned a couple times, a vision to be successful, you have to be off the charts passionate about. What do you say to the listener who's sitting there and maybe, maybe because of the crucible experience they've been through, they're feeling less than off the charts passionate about anything at this moment. How do they, what's your counsel to them to discover what they are? Because everybody's passionate about something. Maybe we don't feel it all the time. How do you unlock that if you're not feeling it? How do you find again or find for the first time what you're truly off the charts passionate about? Yeah, it's not always easy. I know for me... In the 90s, as I think listeners know from previous podcasts and blogs, after I lost a you know, large family media business in Australia, been in my family for 150 years after a $2.25 billion takeover. And that was Billion with a B for listeners. <laughs> well, <laughs> I love saying that every time you say that. I just, just got to be clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. So when that ended, I wasn't thinking, oh, okay, yeah, this ended. Okay, that's fine. Hey, let's move on to a big vision here. No, I mean, through most of the 90s, I wasn't in particularly good shape. I was 
depressed, at least to some degree. Um, so it took quite a while to bounce back. So I think, you know, with the crucible experience, in a sense, the first step is just dealing with the pain, you know, accepting what you've gone through. Maybe if there are things you have to make right with others to do that, if it's um, to give yourself for your own mistakes. You know, I had to claw my way back into finding things I could do without screwing up. So it was, everybody's different. Maybe some people's bounce back will be a lot quicker than mine. But so you've got to get yourself first into a healthy place, you know, as best you can. Sometimes that's seeking counseling, you know, whatever it will take. And you've got to sort of trust the process, um, you know, as you try different things and experiment, if you're open to it, it will come, you know, there's no magic way. Sometimes it's asking other people, you know, about, um, I don't know, next steps, thinking of things, you know, what is it you enjoy? But, you know, often a good question, at least, you know, I don't know that I asked this question, I probably should have, but, you know, didn't think of it at the time is, okay, this whole John Fairfax debacle was awful, uh, the media company, but how can I use this pain for a purpose? You know, I don't know that I asked that question, but I don't know that there's a simple answer, but, you know, do the internal healing as best you can and just be open, at least in my case, I'm a person of faith, so prayer helps, whether it's prayer or meditation or reflection, just think about, okay, how can I use this pain to help others? Maybe ask friends, you know, at least from a crucible experience, that's often helpful, but it uh, be open to it. We did a podcast that will air uh, at some point here soon with Margie Worrell, who, uh, a fellow Australian. She talks a lot about fear, and she talks about not letting fear hold you back. So that's, you know, don't let the fear and pain hold you back. Try and channel that into something productive. But it's, it's not a linear process. you just got to be open to it. Patience really is required on a lot of levels, right, to yeah. really hatch all aspects of the vision. It does not come quickly necessarily. It can, but I guess what you're saying, it, it seems like what you're saying is don't be discouraged mm -hmm. if right now, listener, you're you're not feeling off the charts passionate about something. It will come as you step out and you start to engage what Warwick is talking about. How were you designed? What are your values? Mm -hmm. What are the things that you care about? What are things people tell you that you're really good at? What are those kinds of things? And then in walking in those you will come to a point through prayer, meditation, counsel with others, you will come to a point where you'll marry those values and passions to a vision. Absolutely. And one of the things that's really important is um, people aren't designed to walk alone. And so at several junctures, um, when you're going through the depths of the pain and as you're beginning to come out of it and explore, gee, what can I do and be productive, use the pain to help others? Ask other people that know you. It could be a spouse, uh, very close friends, and they will often see us more objectively. Sometimes, hopefully, they'll have more hope for us than we have for ourselves. Seek their counsel. And then as you begin forming your vision, you want, as I call them, fellow travelers who will be with you in the journey of building that vision. Most people I know that formed a great vision, they had people with them. Walt Disney had fellow animators that believed in its vision. So at each step of the way, as you're recovering from the crucible, as you're beginning to form your vision, you've got to have people in there with you. That's just absolutely foundational and fundamental. 
You've mentioned Disney a couple of times as we start to begin the process of wrapping up. Is there anyone else off the top of your head, historically or in your family uh, or your own story, is there anybody else that you can sort of signal out for uh, listeners as someone who really crafted a, a meaningful vision and then lived that out and, or is living that out now? Yeah, Henry Ford is uh, who founded Ford Motor Company, a huge auto company, is one. Um, he tried a number of different times, different companies, which at first didn't work. But he had this vision of what he called creating a, a motor car for the multitudes. In an era in the early 1800s when cars really were for the, for the very wealthy, not for your average, uh, in this case, American, where he first launched his company. But he had this vision that automobiles, as they were called, could be something that you know, your average person could afford. And so he, hence he launched the Model T in 1908, the first affordable um, car. So that's one. Uh, Thomas Edison is another one. He had this great quote, which is, uh, vision without execution is hallucination. Oh, that so, is good. Say that again for the listeners. Say that again so they can write that down. Yeah. Vision without execution is hallucination. And so in the late 1800s, at that time, people got light in their homes and factories through gas. And gas wasn't exactly uh, the safest way to light your home. You know, it could explode or, uh, you know, it's, uh, but that's what they had. And so we had a vision of the incandescent light bulb that would be safer but as I think most of us know from school, it took thousands of tries at different filaments until he had the magic filament that actually worked. But that was kind of his vision. And in my own family, John Fairfax, as listeners will know from previous podcasts and blogs, he uh, had an earlier uh, experience of a small newspaper in England, which uh, went bankrupt because an unscrupulous lawyer sued him for libel for a story that the judge said actually wasn't liable. So he came out to Australia and he had this vision of founding a great newspaper. And this paper would be uh, without fear to express opinion, without the reproach of self-interest sworn to no mast and free from narrow interests of sectarianism. So he was working in the local library. Uh, he was a librarian at the time, became this, now the state library in New South Wales where Sydney is. And he and a partner of, uh, would-be partner of his, Charles Kemp, they would sit long into the night dreaming about this newspaper. They had this vision that they called The Plan. And, uh, you know, as I said, this would be this paper that wouldn't be a party paper, but would really uh, uh, hold people accountable, defend interests that need to be defended. And they kind of had the vision mapped out pretty clearly while John would handle the business side, his partner, Charles Kemp, Charles Kemp would handle the uh, journalistic side, and together they collaborate on the editorial. So um, he had a clear vision, and he brought a team together and, and, and made it happen. So uh, each of these visions were really, whether it's Henry Ford, uh, you know, John Fairfax, Walt Disney, Thomas Edison, there was you know, certainly some altruism in there. They did, in a sense... Uh, want to make the world a better place, whether it's affordable transportation, a safe source for energy, uh, Walt Disney and an idea of just having uh, 
cartoons that tell a bigger story in a longer format like Snow White or John Fairfax wanting to have a paper that would be non-sectarian. Yeah, each of those was, in very different ways, was a big vision. Well, that is a fantastic and an inspiring place for us to end our time together today. On the subject of inspiration, I found a quote as well uh, I wanted to leave you with, uh, uh, listeners. This is from Helen Keller. It was interesting, when I was looking up quotes, Warwick, for vision, Helen Keller, maybe because she was indeed uh, blind, uh, has so many quotes about vision, but here's the one that really struck me. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. A life without vision is almost like looking at the world in black and white. There's no color. Absolutely. And so, uh... so I guess since it is December 31st, and if anybody really has to make a resolution, say someone's dared you to do it, maybe resolve to craft a vision in 2020. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. That would be the one resolution I think that actually could make some degree of lasting there sense. You go. So this New Year's... Uh, listeners, resolve to craft a vision, and you can be with us here on Beyond the Crucible and at Crucible Leadership, and we will help you craft that vision, understand what underlies and informs your vision, and the way that you can keep up with what we're doing here at Crucible Leadership. For one thing, you can subscribe to the podcast that you're listening to right now on the device, on the service, the app that you're listening to it on. You can subscribe to the Beyond the Crucible podcast Never miss an episode through all of 2020. You can also check us out on our website, crucibleleadership.com. Warwick has a number of blogs there. There are other assets there. There's a workbook that allows you to identify where you are in the process of walking this path to a life of significance. You can also engage with us on social media. Warwick's very active on social media. On Facebook, you can find Crucible Leadership at Crucible Leadership, Facebook slash at Crucible Leadership. And he's also, uh, Warwick is active on LinkedIn, and you can track, follow what he's up to on LinkedIn. Uh, that's at Warwick Fairfax. And Warwick spells his name, as I always say, with a silent W in the middle. It's W-A-R-W-I-C-K, at Warwick Fairfax on LinkedIn. So we wish you a very happy new year. And uh, hope that you'll come back and join us on Beyond the Crucible so that we can continue to have this dialogue and this conversation about how crucible experiences, those painful moments in life, they change the trajectory of your life, but they don't need to be the end of your story. In fact, they can be the beginning of a new chapter of your story, one that's fueled by vision and that leads you to a life of significance.